Welcome to this week's episode of Startups for the Rest of Us. I am your host, Rob Walling. This is episode 481, where I catch up with Mike Tabor, and he gives us an update on his recent progress with BlueTick. It's been about six weeks since we last spoke, and frankly, the last update was a little disappointing. Um, Mike was not moving forward with the marketing things that he, you know, that I had encouraged him to do in October, November, and was kind of stuck. And his motivation was not was not at an all time high. He was in a, had definitely having a down month. So I appreciated the conversation this week. I think you'll enjoy it. Things are definitely starting to tick up for Mike. As I talk about in in our conversation, the roller coaster metaphor, as completely cliche as it is, really matches up with our conversations. You know, we, we speak about every, it's one to two months, tends to be about six weeks. And you'll just hear some episodes, he's crushing it and moving forward and other episodes, he's not. And he's, his motivation's low. And uh, this week is no different, but I hope you enjoy this conversation. This is one that kind of left me feeling a little better about things. And my hope is that our conversation after this, it carries through because I think that's something that Mike really needs and has really struggled with over the years is momentum, is he'll have these good months, you know, one, two, three months, but then he hits this this roadblock and, and can't get past it and it really trips him up and it stops momentum. And when you're building a, a startup, as a founder, momentum is just so important. It's so important for your team. It's important for your morale. And it's it's important just to stay sane while you're trying to push this boulder up the hill. Once you get that momentum, you know, it's a lot easier to keep it going. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, Mike Tabor was essentially a former weekly co-host of Startups for the Rest of Us for about the first 450 episodes. And then he took a step back to focus on his startup, Blue Tick, which is warm and cold email engagement. And I enjoy these conversations because I think they're they're valuable for you as a listener to hear someone going through struggles, to hear them you know, have to persevere as a founder and not have, you know, a, a, as much success as, as they're they're trying to get. And uh, and it is becoming more and more of me helping him think through things. And I, and I think and hope, you know, give him some clarity so that he knows what he's doing over the next uh, four to six weeks. And I try to cheer him on, but also give him a little, you know, some tough love and accountability of you should have done that, you know? So it's not directly every, every episode an accountability session, but it definitely is a longitudinal look at a founder, and I think we started these eight or nine months ago now. And so it's interesting. I've listened back to two or three episodes at a time to try to make sure I ask the right questions on the next one, but it's going to make a fascinating kind of case study, I think, if we stitch this out over uh, an extended period of time. Uh, Mike has not committed to doing that over an extended period of time, uh, and I think it depends on a lot of factors, but it's it's definitely becoming an, an interesting story, I think, that each of us can kind of dip into every once in a while and really hear him be He's being quite open and honest. Like I'll vouch for him that offline before and after he and I have just a few minutes of conversation and there really isn't other stuff going on that he's not talking about, both good and bad. There's always some stuff in the works that's a little early that we don't touch on, but really this is what's happening with him, you know, and he and I don't have this big prep conversation where we pick out the the good or the bad or whatever. I mean, it's just, he's being an open book and I, I really appreciate that about Mike and I think it helps him think things through and keep moving forward, but I also think that it, that it helps all of us to follow someone's story and to hear, you know, to hear the struggles and hear how he's kind of pushing himself to uh, to make it through those. And with that, let's hear an update from Mike Tabor on what he's been up to with Blue Tick. Mikey T, how's it going, man? It's going good. How are you? Doing all right. Just wrapped up the State of Independent SaaS report and did uh, my first live stream ever yesterday, which is like 
I will just say it was very nerve wracking. Holy mo! I mean, and it was a 30 minute with a, you know, essentially with, I mean, producer Xander was there, of course, you know, doing stuff. And then there was a, a video guy, they had lower thirds, it felt like a, I don't know, like a cable access news show or something where it was, it was very intense. And there were cameras and lights and all that stuff. So fun, exhilarating, but completely adrenaline filled and exhausting, you know, to sit and, and talk for 30 minutes. It was fun. How about you? What have you been up to for the last, uh, I guess it's been about six weeks since we talked. Yeah, lots of stuff going on. I'm sure we'll cover the vast majority over the next uh, 30 to 40 minutes or so. Yeah, I'm excited to get into it. You know, after the last episode, I did receive some feedback. There's some comments on the website, startupsfortherestofus.com, episode 475. You can read those. And there were kind of mixed comments. Like some people were really down on the fact that you hadn't, you know, started the the kind of cold email outreach and the podcast tour email outreach, or I guess it had just started and there were no results. And then other people were like, hang in there, Mike, you know, don't let this stuff drag on for forever, but we're, we're rooting for you. And so my hope today is to dig into some of that stuff. I did listen back to some of our older conversations over the past, it's been six or eight months now, you know, since we've kind of been doing this format where we touch base every, let's say four to four to six weeks. And yeah, I mean, the Google audit stuff started a long time ago. And and that seal.net component has hung around a very long time. And so I think that's the that's the thing I want to look at today is like, and I mentioned this a little bit last episode, but like, I, I want to figure out how how we can have things hang around for shorter amounts of time, right? Because that's it, you know, it, when they when we talk about them for months on end, it's like, feels like it's not you're not making progress on those fronts, you know, even though you, you might be on some. So I think I was before we were recording, my memory is like, your big wins over the past six months have really been getting the Google audit done and wrapped. And am I correct that that's, that's completely done and you haven't had to spend any time on that? Uh, yes, it is. Cool. That's good. And then the other thing is something we talked about last conversation where you said a, a new larger customer had signed up. I think it's your biggest customer actually. And you were building some features and, you know, trying to keep them on board. And how has that gone since then over the past six weeks? So that customer is uh, using the product and so far it seems to be working well. I'd like to obviously see more of their users a little bit more actively engaged, but that's a kind of an ongoing process. But I mean, so far things are working out as far as I can tell. I mean, in terms of general, generally how blue tick is going, revenue is up November, December, and it looks like it'll be up for January as well. So that's a good sign, I'd guess. We'll see, see how things go. It's, um, I don't know. I, it's hard to put it in words as like, not where things are at, but like expectations do not always align with reality. <laughs> Sure. But looking back, I mean, even if you look back over the past three months, you're saying revenues ticked up each month, which has not been the case the couple of years prior to that, right? It's been, it's been stagnant or, you know, it had been stagnant or slow. I know it had slow decline from time to time. Can you give us any idea of scale, probably without mentioning exact dollar amounts, but when you say revenues up, is it up a few percentage points? Is it up pretty dramatically over that time period? I mean, over the past couple of months, I don't know. I'd have to say it's up maybe 30 or 40 percent, something like that. Maybe 50. Okay. How are you feeling about that? I'm feeling good, but like it's still short of where I would like it to be. I mean, that's always, I think revenue is always going to be short of where you would like it to be. But I feel really good about where things are headed. I spent a lot of time over kind of a holiday break, kind of thinking about different things. And you said, you'd mentioned how there were a couple of large things that were kind of hanging over my head or blue six head is in terms of 
you know, where the product was at and just not getting certain things done, like the Google audit, for example. And I've kind of made it a concerted effort to like fully finish some of the things that I start now. So if I, you know, work on the Google audit, for example, like my, my goal was to finish it and say, put a line in the sand and say, look, even though there's other things going on that are important that need to be paid attention to, I can't just do 80% of this or 60% of it and then let it drop and then move on to something else. Like I kind of need to take it all the way to the finish line as opposed to letting other things that, you know, maybe just as important distract me. So I've been making more of an effort to take things all the way to the finish line. Yeah. I think that's good to know about yourself because I, I do, I have seen that in you for sure. You know, the tendency to, to bounce from one thing to the next and to, to have that stuff that you do talk about for six months on, you know, podcast interviews or whatever. And, and they feel like they hang around and they, there's certainly a mental weight, I think on your psyche, if you're not completing those things. Yeah. And that's, that's what I recognize which is just the, the mental weight of those things. And if there's a couple of them, they start to stack up. And even though I'm bouncing back and forth between some of those things and I, I may be making progress on them, it doesn't mean that they're gone and out of the way. So they still kind of weigh on my mind. And, you know, I kind of think about them at times where I really shouldn't be. And it's, it, it's very distracting. I got to the point where I made a list of distractions and said, look, I'm going to make an active decision to not pursue these things. But these are known distractions that I've basically written down. It's like, like the kind of the shiny object syndrome for entrepreneurial ADD. Like, look, recognize that these things are there, but I've made the decision, do not go in this direction and just walk away. Yeah. I mean, a really hard part about entrepreneurship is is knowing what to work on next, right? And to try to prioritize when you don't have a boss. You know, a lot of us came up through grammar school and and high school and college, and then you get your job and everyone's telling you what to do. Do this project, do these worksheets, write this code, build this thing. And then you're a founder and it's like, I have a hundred things I could work on. What do I do next? And it's very, very hard to get used to. And I think what you're doing, locking it down and saying, I'm, whatever I do, do work, decide to work on, I'm going to be deliberate about it. And then I'm going to see that through until it's done, I think is, is a, a very strong way to do it. And then it's almost a, a second topic is the, the distractions that then try to pull you away from those things. And I'm curious to hear, you said you made a list of them. Is it stuff that we would expect like Twitter, Facebook, podcasts, audiobooks, or is it other stuff? It's a combination of things. So it's stuff like that. But then it's also things within the product where it's like, look, this feels important, but it actually doesn't matter. You know, so for example, there are certain new features that are on the on the list of things to do where I don't feel that those features would be nice to have, but they're not going to be things that drive revenue in any way, shape or form. So they would make the product better, but it's not going to do anything for me. So don't spend the time on those things because that time could be better spent doing, you know, marketing or sales or demos and things like that. Yeah, no, that's so you've gone even a layer deeper. And it's not the superficial distractions of the world. You're literally thinking within my business, I have distractions that are so tantalizing, right? It's the siren song of we're builders, we're developers, the siren song of building that next feature is always calling. And we can always justify that our product isn't as far along as it needs to be. So so that's, that's cool then. So does that, does that segue as well into kind of the, you had two marketing efforts that we talked about last time that you hadn't started in, in mid-December. And I was, I was, I'll say I was disappointed or kind of busting your chops on, man, I really wished you had started these because I want you to get moving faster. And the, the first one was this kind of warm slash cold email where you're, you're sending it out to, you had LinkedIn connections and Bluetooth cancellations and other sales leads and all that stuff. And I believe I have a quote in the doc 
it will definitely get kicked off by then. And because I said, do you think it'll get kicked off by our next call? So you want to you update us on that and, and what the status is? Yeah, so I have started on that. Like I said, I was fortunate, and I don't know who I've told this to and haven't, and I don't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast last time, but I did have, was fortunate enough to export my LinkedIn contacts before LinkedIn basically eliminated the ability to take the email addresses with them. So I have all those email addresses. And what I did is I went through and prioritized them and said, who do I want to reach out to first? And who do I think is going to be either a contact who might be interested in purchasing Blue Tick or who would be interested in or in a position to either refer me to somebody else or just give me direct feedback on the product and tell me whether or not it would be applicable in their business. And part of this was a discovery effort because you know obviously people I'm connected to in LinkedIn are going to be more likely to respond to my emails. And you know even if I'm just saying, hey, can you take a look at this and let me know whether it would be useful in your business or not? And if so, I'd love to give you a demo and try to get you onboarded as a customer. But if not, I still want to have that conversation because I want to know why. Like, why would this product not be a good fit for your business? And use those as, uh, essentially as votes, like kind of a, an affirmation of things I already believe or potentially new information about where Blue Tick does fit in different businesses and where it doesn't. Even if I hear this something that I've, I kind of intuitively know or have already thought of before, I don't care. It's still a vote in that direction that is external. I can sit in my office all day long and think about these things, but getting those external votes to say, uh, you know, X, Y, or Z, that's important because it means that it's more objective than me sitting there looking at it and thinking about it. So I have kicked those off. My response rate is like upwards of 50%. And so far, I've been having a ton of meetings, going through every single one of them and just writing down notes. I've got at least a page of notes, if not two, from every single person I've talked to and had a demo with. I mean, I've had a couple of calls that have gone like an hour and a half, two hours before. But it's just, I'm getting a lot of responses from them. And honestly, it's kind of hard to keep up with them, to be frank about it. But, you know, I still have to keep going through those. Like, I actually backed off and, and turned it off just so that I could catch up a little bit. But I've turned it back on and started sending those emails back out. Yeah, and that high response rate is because they're warm, right? Yes. It's they, they have some connection to you, right? You said it was like personal email list, LinkedIn connections, some sales leads that never converted. It's, that's cool. It's a nice resource to have. So... Are, are any of these converting to, to sales or trials or are they conversations, are they all rejections that you're then essentially doing customer development with? So surprisingly, I guess maybe not surprisingly, like some of them have actually turned into customers. So that's that's probably part of the um, uptick in revenue for this month. But I think the tack that I've taken with some of these were like the person is in a sales role and I say, look, I'm going to show you the product. I'm not going to tell you what it's used for. I'm just going to show you what the features and functionality are. And I want you to tell me what you would use it for. And that way I'm not leading the witness. And I've found that the people who are in the sales positions, I don't want to say that it like it resonates with them as a sales tactic, but it, it really helps me because then they're not being led by me in terms of the things that I'm telling them that it could be used for. And, and they're coming to me with, in their own words, what they would use it for. So yeah, some of those have definitely turned into sales. And even I had one person who said, yeah, like I would use it for this. I would use it for this. I'd use it for this and these couple of other things. We talked about getting on him started on a trial. He even offered me to introduce the product and do a demo for a couple of sales managers at their company where they've got, I think, 60 or 70 sales reps, something like that. But the thought was like, hey, I can, I can put you in front of these people because we've known each 
each other and I trust that this is a decent product and does what you've kind of said that it does. So I've held back on that a little bit just because adding that many all at once is um, a little disconcerting, I'll say. But I, I, I also want to be able to put him in a position where he's using the product himself personally for his sales outreach efforts. And then when they have an internal meeting, it's not just, oh, hey, my friend developed this and I think that you guys should use it. But he can say, I'm using it for these situations and these are the results. It's working for that. Yeah, got it. So it sounds like this has been going well. Would you, is this a win? Like, is this the high of the last month, you think? Oh, totally. I have one customer who's on board right now. Their billing just went through a couple of days ago. And they're in a organization where there's eight or 10 sales reps. And the manager of that person is kind of like looking at BlueTick directly and saying, I want to see what the results are from this because I'm interested because the rest of the team might be able to use it too. So it's that my previous thought had been, if I can get into more of these situations where the multi-user accounts are providing value, then obviously the, the revenue would follow from that. And it looks like that is probably the right direction to go. But I, I mean, I'm still having a lot of these conversations. I just want to see any of this, this direct outreach effort, any little bit helps, to be honest. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I'm, I'm stoked to hear that you're getting response rates of up to 50% because that's really nice. And it sounds like you're learning a ton, which is really nice. And you're getting some prospects and potential customers, which I, which I think is good. This is forward progress, right? And it's more forward progress than you've had in the past several months. So bravo, like bravo to that. And I'm glad that it's working out. For me, it's motivating to hear like, does this motivate you? Have these, I know you said there's been a lot of conversations, but does it kind of gear you up of like, oh man, this is working. Like this is exciting. It does. Yeah. And I mean, I, I implemented a pause feature several months ago and where customers, instead of canceling, they could pause their accounts for like an, a nominal fee on a monthly basis. So that, and I don't know if I'd mentioned this, but as part of the, the Google audit, like they're really cagey about if you cancel a customer's account and you keep their data around because Google says that it's their data, not yours or not the customer's. But so what I did was I said, well, kind of in order to bypass that, I'll implement this feature where you can pause your account at which point you are technically still a customer of mine. So I don't need to delete your data. And like four of the five people who had canceled over the, the recent time period switched over and said, yeah, I would like a, I'd like to pause my account. And this week I had one of them come back. I have a call with them later this afternoon. And then another customer from uh, like a couple of years ago had uh, come back as well. So yeah, that's um, growth. <laughs> but yeah, you're right uh, to answer your question directly. Like it is motivating to see this kind of stuff come through. And, you know, part of it's, mindset shift for some of the some of the conclusions I came to over the holiday break and some of it's just seeing quantifiable results from the the things that I'm doing. Yeah, you're doing things in public again. You know, you're not just kind of dealing with a Google audit and building some features and I mean you're you're out there and you're you're taking risks by sending warm slash cold email and you're having conversations with customers which can be it's a lot of work. It can be scary. You know, you can get negative feedback, but you're doing it, and and it's working to at least some degree. And I, I I don't know. I'm pretty excited about that. Does coming on this show and recording this every month or two does that make you feel accountable to something? Do you ever think, man, I need to make some progress so that it, Rob doesn't bust my chops? You know, it's th that's a really interesting question. I feel like before when I was on every week, not as much if that makes sense. Like, I feel like coming on less frequently, feel like I should hold myself more accountable because I'm come on less frequently, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, because it's easy when we're here every seven days, it's like, 
how much can I get done that I can talk about during that time? Right. And so you're always kind of thinking, oh, I got to talk about something, but you, you can let yourself off the hook. So good. That, that makes sense. And that was kind of an aside, but I was, um, I was thinking about that and listening to last episode and, you know, I had said, Hey, I'm going to ask you about this next time. It really truly was an accountability and, and kind of has been, I've been trying to do that. So that's good to hear. So cool. So we'll call that a win. Obviously going to ask about it again next time. It sounds like it's working. Keep doing it, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally rooting for you on that. Then there's the, the emails for podcast tour or to just go on podcasts. And those had started sending already. And I believe you said you might've had one response or whatever. How's all that going? So I scaled that back a little bit because of the uh, LinkedIn prospecting that I'm doing, that I was doing, but I am starting to ramp that back up again. I've got a call next week with somebody and we'll kind of see what the, the schedule shakes out with for, there's a couple of others that I'm trying to figure out where on the schedule we can kind of get together just because we kind of exchange calendars and go back and forth and stuff. But that seems to be moving forward as well. But my list for that is much shorter as well. <laughs> I don't have 900 of them. Yeah. And if I were to choose between going on podcasts and talking to customers or prospects, guess which, guess which one I would do. It's what you're doing, right? So that if one of those has to be scaled back, I mean, the podcast tour is a nice thing to do. And I do feel like you can probably get it going at some point, but that's not, I mean, as I said earlier, it's like, that's not going to drive a bunch of customers. What will drive a bunch of customers is cold outreach, warm outreach, marketing funnels, you know, it's all the things we know about. So I don't have, I don't have much of an issue with that. I'm curious, I meant to ask when you were, you're saying that some of the folks that you're talking to are interested, they're either coming back on or they're signing up. Why blue tick? Like in their words, because, you know, we've talked a lot about differentiation and I, and I kept saying like, look, you either need, you know, a, a unique marketing channel, you need to rank number one in Google or you need to rank number one in some type of, of channel where you are capturing the customers or you need to have this pretty unique, unique selling proposition or a unique feature or some unique positioning when someone looks at your other nine or 109 competitors, depending on what space you're in, that they say, wow, but Bluetick is best at this and this is my need, right? It's how do you differentiate? And so I'm curious what has come out of these conversations, if anything, that makes you think this is exactly why they're signing up for Bluetick and not the other tools. So I haven't teased out the some of the specifics of that. Like I've got some ideas, but I mean, when people switch from other tools to Bluetick, sometimes it's because they run into problems. Actually, most of the time it's because they run into a problem that those tools aren't very good at. So whether they can only have a contact in one sequence at a time or they're missing emails because it relies on the, the Gmail API and it's not checking like the spam folder or the notifications and stuff don't get triggered. Like I have direct access to the mailbox. So every email that comes in, I can process it versus like if you're using the Gmail API, like you're very dependent upon their scheduling of all those things. Whereas Bluetick, it checks the mailbox every 10 minutes and longer term, like I kind of have other plans that will make that even faster and reduce the processing time on my side. But like, that's one of those things where I actively decided, look, it's good enough for now. It doesn't need to be that good. Like it's like every 10 minutes is fine because there's other ones out there. They take upwards of an hour or six or 12 hours and they get by. So what difference does it make? I'm already faster than them. It doesn't make a difference. But yeah, like I think one of the other things is that the workflow itself inside Bluetick, some it's weird because some people say it makes complete sense and some people say, yeah, I don't understand this at all. I'd rather go use these other tools that all kind of work in the same way. Okay. Yeah, I wonder long term, I don't think we dive into this now, but so you're saying you check more often. 
Is that right? Like your data is more is more up to date or fresh. That's a feature, not a benefit. So I'm thinking, what's the next thing on top of that? Is it like your data is always synced? You know, unlike other tools, you have almost real, you know, near real time access. Or there, you know, there's a way to position it where like Blue Tick is a near real time version that's always accurate and everything you've just listed. I don't even remember you were saying spam and trash and you know folders, but like how does all that get combined into like one or two bullets that are like true benefits? You know. Yeah, I mean the the benefit of of it is that if Bluetick sees the email, it will like a reply, it will pull the person out of the sequence. But if there's a, a delay, let's say that there's a, a four hour delay for some other tool, and a reply can come in within that four hours, and if the tool doesn't see it, it could send out a follow up. So what happens is you receive an email that says, "Hey, you like you you've sent somebody an email replying to something, and then they re, they come back with an email that says, "Hey, I haven't heard back from you." Blah blah blah, and it's like. I literally just sent you an email, you know, an hour or two ago. Why, why are you saying that you didn't see it? Now you haven't heard back from me. That's the situation that going every 10 minutes cures. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think that's something we can look at and kind of talk through in, in future episodes as you get more, more data. Something I wanted to touch on is last episode, I asked about your motivation. I said, has your motivation over the past six weeks? And you said, it's okay. And you said sleep was fine, but not great. And then you started talking about like front end code. And that was kind of what you launched into of like, I, I get discouraged when I do that. Should I hire someone part time? I kind of threw that out. Has that come up again? Like, is that because I get the feeling that if you're if you get demotivated by thinking about front end code, and it takes a bunch of time, then that's something you like naturally shy away from, right? Like a hot stove, even if you even if it's only your lizard brain, and you're not actively thinking or realizing that you're you're shying away from that. Has that been an issue or are you so much in sales and marketing mode that it doesn't matter because you're really not building features right now? I think it matters more when I run into problems with the front end code and I'm like struggling to get some of the CSS right or some of the pages to show up in a way that I want. But I've also gotten, I'd say I've kind of coached myself to be less anxious or particular about some of that stuff. It's like, this doesn't look perfect, but you know what? It works, and as long as it works, like the the interesting thing that I've kind of I also realized was that Bluetick works really well for the people who use it in the way that it's supposed to be, which means that you're not logging into it very much, which is a a really bizarre way to like kind of position your SaaS app. Like most of the time, I think you want people to log into your app and use it as much as possible because then they're getting the most value out of it. Bluetick is actually the opposite, where the less you log in, the more value it could provide you because you've got things automated and set up to just kind of run in the background. And it's if something doesn't look quite right or if there's a drop down that's slightly in the wrong spot, it actually probably doesn't matter nearly as much as I used to feel like it does. So like as long as the, the data that you need shows up in the UI, eh, that's that's one of those things I've kind of backed off from and said, you know, this doesn't really matter as much. But yeah, I, I agree. There, there's there's probably some of that that is influenced by the fact that I'm doing much more of the sales and marketing and just like showing the product to people and saying this is what it can do and and less on front end development. Right. Cool. And other than that, how has your kind of your overall motivation? And I think uh, sleep ties into that. How's your sleep and your motivation been? Because you sound up. You sound up to me. You sound. And last time you didn't. <laughs> you sounded down. And that this is the roller coaster of entrepreneurship. I mean, that's the beauty of doing this you know, every month or two for months. And presumably, you know, if you do this for years, you just see the ups and downs and ups and downs. So has that been reflected over the past six weeks? Or is it just the last, you know, week or few days that you felt that? 
I felt really good for the past couple of weeks. And I don't know. I mean, part of it could be just the result of getting past some of that front end code. Cause I had, I had to redesign the UI and I put the, all the navigation up at the top of the page. And that was probably part of where my frustrations last time were coming from. Cause like I had to move everything and at the same time, not break all the stuff, all the code that was currently in place for it. And it's, it wasn't quite as simple as I would have liked to move the navigation, but now that it's done, like I even I even enjoy going into the app more myself just because the navigation has been moved to the top and it's easier to get around and less clicks to do different things. So I, I definitely feel like that factors into it, but obviously like increasing MRR also helps. So <laughs> there's that. That's a huge motivator, right? And when things are going up into the right, you can put up with a lot of a lot of other stuff. That's the mental battle. Mm-hmm. Next. I'm curious about the sealed untestable.net component. And I'm curious on a couple fronts, because when I listen to back to our conversations, we've kind of gone back and forth. And I've kind of been like, you should either do this and get it done. Like, don't let it hang around. You know, either decide not to do it or decide to do it and do it soon. Because it sounds like it keeps you from building features that you need. Then when I hear this update, you know, today, where it's like, no, you're selling you've grown MRR substantially. It makes me think, then why are we even talking about this .NET component? Leave it and, you know, and just keep going and push it down the line. What's your current thinking on it? (laughs) You know, I, I, I'm, I kind of feel the same way. It's like, I've gone back and forth on it a bunch of times and it's like, do I, do I really need to do that? Do I need to do it now? And the answer is probably not. Do I want to, because it's technical debt that has been hanging over my head for a while and it is distracting. And I'd rather have it out of the way, but at the same time, it is a chunk of work to get done and it's not necessary. It's not stopping the product from doing what it does. So I, I don't know. I, I don't have a great answer for you. Like, I think if I buckled down and just did it, knocked it out, got it out of the way, like I obviously like, I wouldn't have to ever worry about it again, or at least until other stuff kind of happens. But I do feel like I would probably have to address it in the semi near future. If I'm starting to add in, substantially larger accounts just because the the back end I don't know I don't know how far I can scale it up without adding more servers in which would mean that I'd need to re-engineer how some of that stuff works and at that point it would be kind of a, a hornet's nest to get into that code and start working with it to try and separate it out among multiple servers I don't know I, I don't have a great answer for you I just don't and I don't either in this case right it's like Given how time limited you are, my gut is to leave it where it is and sell. <laughs> because revenue solves everything, you know, in this case, profit really solves everything. But I mean, in your case, like just growing MRR, if you can keep doing that and focus 100% of your time on conversations and 100% of your time on selling and grow another 50% over the next two months, like technical debt sucks. I hate it. It's something you can you can circle back to. I think what the thing that I'm going to bust your chops about is when you get to the point and you're like, I need to build these features in order to get these bigger customers on. And I can't because the seal.net component is keeping me, you know, from doing it, but I still don't want to do it. Like there's going to come a time where you have to do this, I think, because you can't, the technical debt's going to, going to sink you at least based on how you've described it. So there, I think that's in the back of my mind of like, don't worry about it until you need to. And then once you do buckle down and do it. And in two or three weeks, it's done. You know what I mean? And stop everything. Like that's, that's how, I don't know, that's how performance used to go like with drip where we'd, 
you just don't do much work on it because you're cranking on features and you're selling and you're marketing and you're doing this stuff and you're grow, grow, grow. And then you hit the point where it's like, oh no, like the database is about to fall over. And then unfortunately it was a fire drill and it was all hands on deck and we'd pull people off features and we'd go and we'd, you know, upgrade the database. and We do all this stuff, but it bought us like four to six months more. And that's not sustainable. You don't want to grow a business long-term over that, right? By the time you're at a million dollars or 20 employees, like that's, it's too much. It's too jarring. You need a better process. But when you are as, as, early and as scrappy and as agile as you are, and you're just trying to get to default alive, where you have enough money to to basically buy out all your own time, I, I think you just have to, that's how you have to operate. Yeah. So, I mean, I would love to have that off out of the back of my head, but for the now, it's just, I'm kind of kicking it down the road even more. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I think when you get there, it would be amazing if you could hire someone to do it. If you could bring in a high-end senior engineer and you just bite the bullet and you eat some money and you show them what it is and you say, I need to go from there to there, you write up a spec to tell me exactly how you're going to do it. And then, you know, again, it'll cost you. You know, this is not a, it's not a $10 an hour developer. I Yeah, I, I, I hate to interrupt you on that one. I don't know if I could outsource that. And the reason is because there's a lot of domain knowledge that I've acquired based on just having written different prototypes and doing different things that I think would be difficult for somebody else to just have or acquire. I mean, it's not to say they couldn't come up with a plan that I can interject and say, hey, if you do it this way, these things are going to break. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I hear you. Said every developer ever, Mike. It's this is this is really hard to do. I mean, I I know you have domain knowledge, and I know it's not easy. I just think it's possible and something you should consider. There. I mean, this is the same thing that I think we both thought that about MicroConf before we brought Xander on. I thought that about marketing before I brought my before I met people who were way better at marketing than I was. It's like I can, I'm the only one that knows how to market this product. All the copies my own, and then I'd meet someone and like, wow, they're they're better at this. So it's not cut and dry, and I don't really think we should go down this this road right now but it's something i just know that it's going to derail you for probably a month if i were to guess maybe longer and that if you're going full speed with marketing and sales and you really are landing customers and growing it would be a shame to for you to have to just put the brakes on that and and switch over i mean the 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 fortunate thing is that i can i think the way things are i could probably i think you're right i like i think there's definitely ways for me to make that work. And one of which is to, if I hand it over to somebody, like the interesting thing in BlueTick is that I have a flag in the database that says, what's the, what version of the backend storage engine you're using? And if it's version one, use this, use this code, version two, use this code. I could switch on an individual mailbox level. So I could just use my mailbox as like a test and switch it over and then upgrade it. And if things are working great, I could roll it out slowly to other customers as opposed to doing everything all at once. Because that's the real kicker is like, it's kind of a critical core piece of the app, but I can do it individually. And that's, it, it took a while to get to that point, but. And I think that's, I think that's the way you do it. I mean, that's the, um, that's the speed bump way of doing it, right? <laughs> versus the, versus the roadblock way. So Cool. That's good. Someone wrote in, or maybe they commented, and they asked if you ever took the the Enneagram. I, I sent you, just for the record, I went and paid 12 bucks, and then I said, Merry Christmas, and sent you an email with the link. So I'm curious if you took it. 
I, I, yeah. So I saw that email and I'm like, you bastard. Yeah, I, no, I have no way out of it. <laughs> Cause you gave me crap last time. I was like, look, I'll pay for it, Mike. Just to bust your chops. Right. Cause it's not like you wouldn't. And you're like, Oh no, you won't. You know? So that was, I was like, can I pay for this in advance? This is the best. Yeah. I saw that. So yeah, I did spend the time I went through and took it and yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. It was definitely better than the previous time that I took it where everything kind of came out even and this time it gave me a spread of the different types and the uh one that came to the top with a score of 22 was type six the loyalist and then the next one is actually both of them with a score of 20 it was type nine the peacemaker and type one the reformer so i i mean i read through it i I actually thought it was interesting enough that i printed it out and i'm going to be going back through it and kind of highlighting different things and but yeah it i felt like after reading through the results and the descriptions of the things i felt that it was pretty dead on that's cool. And so what is a key motivation? So you're like a six with nine or six with, what was the third one you said? Six with nine, nine and, one. and one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking through this description and you know, if you're on a computer, you can just Google Enneagram type six with type nine and it'll give you kind of a combined uh, thing. So loyalist and peacemaker, some sixes and nines find it difficult to say what is actually on their minds there is a great tendency in this relationship to clam up, to be silently stubborn and defensive and to make the other person guess what's going on. <laughs> but that, the thing I like about the Enneagrams is there's some positive, but they definitely talk about blind spots a lot, you know, potential trouble spots or issues. And it can call out things that I think it's that know yourself and, you know, try to figure out how to, how to be better for it. So if you think it's pretty accurate, are there things that you're going to do or, or have started doing that you think could help overcome some of these? Well, I mean, and that's what I was looking at. That's why I printed it out and I was planning on going back through it. Cause like the, the printout of the results for me was about 20 pages and it's because there's the top level one. And then there's two that are tied for second. Yeah. That makes it complicated. Yeah. And it does make it a little bit more complicated and then things drop off after the, you know, those top three, but I, I have to go through it a little bit more and kind of, I, I plan on like highlighting different things that stick out to me is like, they resonate really well with me. I just haven't done that yet. Yeah, that's cool. And so, yeah, do that because I'm curious. I mean, the whole point of this was I had said, look, when I took it and some other people on a, like a leadership team I was on took it, it really did point out like some of them there were a couple threes, right? Where and the that's the achiever, the success-oriented, pragmatic type, driven, image conscious. Like their motivation is to achieve, and they're probably never going to stop wanting to achieve. You know, and and whether they're whether it's nature or nurture, it was something their parents said or did to them when they were a kid, or whether it's just genetics. That's what they want, and it was interesting to work with them because I kind of don't care about that. I don't need to make a dent in the universe. My thing was like creating and building and doing interesting things. And I can't remember, I was trying to look through and find what my number is because I don't have the report, but my memory is mine was like the, it was like a creator, you know, it was a creative type and you're motivated by creating things and putting them into the world and having people using them. And, and of course there's a bunch of negatives to that too. It's like, you can be too introverted and you don't, you know, I don't know. There's stuff, but all that to say, that was once again a like a confirmation. It helped me know myself a little more of like, yeah, that's right. I do need to be creating things. I am most excited when I'm creating new things rather than, you know, taking a company from 5 million to 50 million, in my opinion, not creating very much, you know, and that's tends to be the place where I get really bored with it. And so it's good for me to know that and, and running things for the long term and building processes and, hey, I'm going to scale this or I'm going to do the same thing for five or 10 years. Like, no, I, I need to, yeah, I can exist in an org like that, but I need to be the, you know, a person that's 
that's creating things. So that was the whole point of, hey, have you thought about taking it so that you can learn a little bit more about what motivates you? Because really the motivation you had talked about was flexibility. You know, you're like, I want the flexibility uh, that entrepreneurship offers. And I'm concerned that that's just not enough motivation to keep you going when the times get really tough, you know, and when your sleep gets hard. Yeah, I think what I liked the most about the Enneagram was that it talked about different levels of the of the personality types and within the levels, it's essentially how healthy you are as a person within that level. And they say, oh, well, if you if you were unhealthy, you could turn into this other personality type at this level. Or if you're healthy, you can turn into this other personality type at a, a certain level. I thought that that was, that was the most interesting piece to me. But like I said, when I was reading through some of these things, it was, it was shocking to me how dead on it was. And I'll, I'll read like a very little excerpt from here from like the personality type six, where it says, uh, sixes do their best to be solid and responsible, but they are often troubled by an undercurrent of doubt and anxiety. In fact, sixes often seem a bit jittery and uneasy in general. They live in a state of worry and then find something to worry about. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do that sometimes. <laughs> so like I said, some things just jumped out at me. It's like that totally describes me. And then there were other ones like, yeah, that's that's not really me. It's less. Yeah. Cool. I'm glad you did that. I hope I hope you look through it and maybe come back with further findings in terms of things that you think might motivate you. Cool way. That kind of wraps us up for the day. I think the one question that I like to find out is like your high and your low, you know, over the past six weeks and your, your high, it sounds like the fact that, I mean, it's growth and it's that the, the cold outreach is working. What's been the lowest point for you where you felt most discouraged or the biggest loss or whatever? I, d- I think that implementing the client side, some of the client side features that I was working on before, which I finished them probably shortly after our call was just the, the trouble that I was having with the reorganizing the navigation to kind of help better support some of the multi-user functions that I'm adding. That was just a real nightmare. It sucked. <laughs> Discouraging. And that was what you touched on yep. last mm-hmm. month. You know, that you were doing it. So yeah, there was that, and then there, I think there was one feature that I was trying to implement. I wanted to get to this other feature to implement it, and it just it ended up taking longer to finish the client side navigation changes. But I implemented this feature that allows customers to skip sending emails on public holidays. So if like Christmas, for example, there's a a, a toggle in there that just says, "Hey, don't send these emails on." the holidays and that happens to be one of them and it's it's shocking how simple that code was to write on the back ends but it just took way longer than i wanted it to to get into the products and it didn't get in until after christmas which i really wanted it in there beforehand but you know it is what it is cool man well thanks again for coming back and we'll uh circle up with you here in the next month or two sounds good all right take it easy all right bye thanks again to mike for coming on the show I always appreciate our conversations. If you have a question for Mike or for me or for a prior guest or just in general for the show about startups, Star Wars, Dungeons and Dragons, leave us a voicemail at 888-801-9690 or email us questions at Startups for the Rest of Us. Our theme music is an excerpt from our Out of Control by Moot. It's used under Creative Commons. If you have not subscribed to us already, I'm not sure that telling you to search for startups is going to help, but you probably should. Our listenership is growing, um, especially since the revamp of the podcast, you know, seven or eight months ago. You know, I'd really appreciate it, actually. If you know someone who listens to podcasts who you think might be interested, it would be amazing if you would um, just drop me an email 
and, you know, link them up and tell them to, to try this out and even recommend a good episode, you know, your favorite episode that they could start with to, to get into the podcast. Cause I definitely am investing in, you know, trying to make this a better podcast and trying to, trying to grow it. And if you're interested in a transcript of each episode, startups with the rest of us.com. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time.